Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host Adam Jones and I'm joined by an absolute dream team today of Dave (laughs) Prentice and Gav Buckland. And do you know what lads, we've finally got an actual football match to preview today. Uh, Of course we'll discuss in detail this weekend's Merseyside derby including the empty Goodison Stadium, team news for the Blues with a couple of injuries to report on, unfortunately, uh, before we get our ever-accurate score predictions at the end and they'll be making their triumphant return. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, lads, I wanted to talk about the general return of the Premier League. Obviously, two matches earlier this week on Wednesday, we saw Aston Villa take on Sheffield United and then Man City take on Arsenal later in the day. Uh, Dave? It was a bit of a strange experience all round, wasn't it? It was. I mean, uh, I totally understand why Powers at B wanted football to return. Uh, I'm totally in support of the decision to bring back football. But I think we all accepted it was going to be quite a surreal uh, situation. And it was. I mean, uh, all right, Villa, Sheffield United, you could have like, you know, sort of watched that till, till now and you still wouldn't have seen a, a goal scored. It was a, it was a flat game. Uh, but the City game was altogether more interesting. But it was a weird dynamic trying to watch it with, with no crowd there. Um, City, I thought, were excellent. But just without that crowd noise, uh, you know, sort of reacting to some of the incidents you see on the pitch, you watch them slightly differently. I mean, some of the near misses, you're thinking, oh, what a great bit of football that was. And yet without the crowd noise to support it, it sort of leaves you questioning yourself, thinking, was that really as good as I thought? You know, it was, it was a very, very strange situation. I was good to see football back. But equally, it is. It's a very, very weird dynamic. And it's going to be very weird on Sunday watching, you know, one of the most intense fixtures of the season without any kind of noise in the stadium. Very, very odd. So, Gav, of course, as Brenner's mentioned there, uh, without crowd noise, but Sky Sports had the uh, the option to play crowd noise if you were watching on a certain channel and to watch it without crowd noise if you wanted to. It's caused a little bit of a debate uh, on social media over the last couple of days. Where do you think you stand? Would you rather have this, you know, artificial crowd noise being pumped in? Uh, it's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, the times it, it's quite interesting. I only watch bits of both games. It's quite interesting. The give, the given, the cameras are given quite narrow shots, aren't they? Of, so you're only basically just seeing the pitch and the first couple of rows of the the stands on pitch side. So from that, with the crowd noises, it's like there's a crowd in the upper tiers of the stand that are not being seen mm-hmm. by the by the cameras, isn't it? It's sad to give that effect. Um, but yeah, it's it, it. If you watch it for a couple of minutes, yeah, you think okay. But it's when big events happen, you know, like if there's a great save or something, it all appears really muted, doesn't it? You know, um, and I think after a while, you, you just become sort of immune to it. To be honest with you, that. Whether it's there or not, it doesn't really impact on your feelings about the game. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm in. I'm in the doesn't really bother me camp. 
Well, I, I, I watched the both versions on Wednesday. I don't know how I managed it. <laughs> I, sat, I, sat, I sat and watched the City game with no crowd noise, and it was it was okay. Like I said, I was enjoying the experience of watching football again, but you know, finding it a little bit strange with the lack of noise. And I must have left the room and come back in again because when I came back in, maybe my son had turned over. I don't know. Uh, but there was crowd noise suddenly. I think, wow, where did that come from? And it was, it was like, it was really strange. And it felt a bit jarring, to be honest. You know, so having listened to it for half an hour with no crowd noise, it did feel a bit odd. I suppose if you're watching it from the start with a bit of crowd noise, you'd think, yeah, okay, you know, so you can handle that. But the whole situation's odd, isn't it? And it's going to take a few weeks for us to get used to yeah. watching football in the circumstances in which we're watching it at the moment. Um, I mean, some of the changes that have been made for the derby match sound very surreal. You know, uh, one team using both dressing rooms, uh, one team coming out of the tunnel, one team coming out of a porter cabin in the corner of the ground. It's going to be a very, very strange situation. And, uh, you know, that'll probably continue when the match kicks off as well. I don't know quite what to expect, to be perfectly honest. Of, of course, though, as we were discussing before the podcast, uh, crowd noise doesn't really matter for the players on the pitch, does it? And, you know, Everton are going to be walking out to an empty Goodison Park on Sunday uh, in what is going to be a huge match, a Merseyside derby, where so often in the past the Everton fans have managed to shout Everton to a, a really good result. You know, you only need to look as far as last season, really, to see yeah. the effect that the Goodison Park atmosphere can have. Looking, looking at this weekend's fixture, Gav, do you think it's going to have a detrimental effect that the fans aren't there? Or do you think Everton are going to be able to move past that in a way? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I'd, um, I think it's more the impact on particular players rather than the team for me. I think some players, are, you know, men's, I think some players are probably better off sometimes by playing with a home crowd. You know, it can. You know, if you make a mistake, you know, you get a bit of stick, and next minute, you know, you, you know, your morale um, sort of become. You know, you lose a little bit of morale. But, you know, I, I, I've never seen names. Players get stick, don't they? You know, like Sir Gilfie, Tom Davis. I think Michael Keane is somebody's quite sensitive to, to crowd criticism, whatever. And so, especially in the derby, that's magnified, isn't it? Uh, but there's other players I think who, who thrive on it. I think for Charleston as a player who thrives on on the crowds, you know. Um, so I, I tend to view it as a as a as a, a sort of individual player thing, really, rather collectively as a as a team. Um, I'm not sure whether the stat that we've had some good results, um, as you say, I think the crowd that maybe is a little bit overestimated. I think I think where it does impact is the referee. Mm. I think home crowds do influence the referee. Generally speaking, and you know, um, though you wouldn't like to admit it, uh, though, I haven't said that we haven't had much against Liverpool or Goodison, to be fair. But generally speaking, uh, I think that after years, uh, is probably will notice the difference. So, it'd be interesting. Graham was so was speaking earlier this week, he said to really underestimate the um, the impact of a crowd on, on a player, you know, on a player. And, 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 and I get that, I get that to be honest with you, but. but whether the whole team is energised collectively about a crowd, I'm not so sure. I think that the whole situation worries me, uh, the lack of a crowd. I mean, uh, we all know Everton's record against Liverpool over the last uh, 10 years now. Yet at Goodison, is it six of the last seven now finished in draws? And uh, the only one Liverpool won was like the 93rd minute Sadio Mane goal. And to me, 
that is down to the effect of the Goodison atmosphere. I think it does get into Liverpool players' heads. I mean, I've referenced it before and I'll reference it again. Jordan Henderson's expression on his face when he's waiting in the tunnel to come out last season and he hears the, uh, the air raid siren crank up and there was definitely yeah. apprehension on his face. It definitely gets into referees' uh, heads and, you know, sort of causes them to make decisions differently. And you look at the records, I mean, those figures that were chatted out this morning from the Bundesliga, um, you know, prior to the lockdown, 43% of home games finished in home wins. Since the restart, 21% have finished in home wins. We're seeing a lot more away wins because it helps the teams who are away from home that would normally be more intimidated. And I think that includes Liverpool massively at Goodison Park. It's a very uncomfortable atmosphere for them. I don't think they enjoy it. You know, they, they, they feel relief, you know, so when they get through it and haven't got a result, but it definitely undermines them a little bit. And not to have that at the weekend, I think I think it benefits Liverpool more than it benefits Everton. Totally get what Gavin's saying, that some players might be, uh, you know, sort of affected differently by it. But yeah. I saw something this morning, uh, I think it was an excerpt from, um, was it Peter Reid's uh, biography, Mexican Summer? Yeah, you know, yeah. And talking about the crowd. And I don't know why they picked on this one particular game. It was a home game against Watford. I think it was Trevor Stephen talking about uh, the crowd. Even though Everton had won two and L, the crowd were getting on their backs. And they said the, the players were beginning to let their effect them. They could sense it. Some players would react differently to that way. But I just think taking everything you know, so as a whole, I think it benefits Liverpool more than it would benefit Everton. And that worries me a little bit. I just think the crowd could have been such a... Uh, such a benefit for the Blues at the weekend. But, you know, it is what it is. The players have got to get on with this. And they need to show that they are as mentally strong without the benefit of the crowd cheering them on as they are with it. I think just, just to pick up on your point there, Dave, I think I, I'm probably arguing against myself here a little bit. I think the general consensus is without the crowd, the games have been far more technical. Yeah, yeah. Than, you know, and a bit better, bit of a better spectacle. You've been a bit more free flowing than normally when there's a crowd there and then you've got interruptions and players play acting and stuff like this. And I think where it doesn't help us is if you get a technical game against Liverpool, yeah. then that's not necessarily the type of game that we've got a great chance of winning. You know, it is the old, dare I say, the old dogs of war type game that actually you would expect us to sort of have a better chance of getting the results. If it becomes a technical free-flowing game of football, then I think we'd struggle. And that's that's sort of the general feeling, I think, around these lockdown matches, especially in Germany, that, 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 you, that, 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 that there's a little bit more skill uh, involved than, than normal. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out on, 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 on Sunday. Mm. Yeah, I think if we're taking Germany as an example as well, I mean, the absolute elite teams, you know, your, your Bayern Munich and your Borussia Dortmund, last weekend being the exception that proved the rule, uh, they, they tend to have, you know, sort of come through and shone, you know, regardless of the situation, as did Manchester City um, on Wednesday. And much as we might, you know, sort of not want to admit it, Liverpool are one of these elite teams. You know, they've been absolutely phenomenal this season. And, you know, they appear to be more capable than most of overcoming, uh, you know, sort of environmental situations, um, you know, play, playing their regular game. So that worries me a little bit as well. Um, we don't know, do we? I mean, it's a completely strange situation, completely surreal. Hope there can be a shock. I mean, I've seen, you know, sort of bigger shocks than Everton winning this weekend in previous derby matches. Uh, in a long time, admittedly, since I've seen anything like that. 
Um, and I won't be seeing it this weekend. Missing my first Goodison derby since 1992 uh, as a result of this situation. In hindsight, that might be quite a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> as you say, Preno, it has been almost 10 years now since Everton managed to get a win over Liverpool. Uh, that 2-0 uh, that win over Goodison, Kale and Arteta yeah. was the last time that Everton managed to beat Liverpool you know, in any competition uh, at any ground. And, you know, we've had this season two uh, fairly, well, fairly embarrassing defeats, I think it's probably fair to say, uh, the 5-2 at Anfield and then the 1-0 FA Cup defeat at Anfield as well. In normal circumstances, I suppose that Ancelotti would maybe be trying to harness these kind of embarrassing results to try and get a performance out of his players. Do you think he would still be... Uh, intent on doing that for this game or do you think he maybe wants to move past that and uh, just try and forget about those games and just take this as a as a one-off kind of thing? You can't ever hide behind the fact this is a derby you know so regardless of uh, the environment around this and you know you hear all the time the uh, the local lads as, who are part of the, uh, the backroom staff at Goodison certainly make the foreign players you know aware of how important this game is you know so very early in the week they build up to it you know so at the beginning of the week and they'll have been doing exactly the same again so you know they'll be doing that around the training ground you know so everybody will be fully aware of how important this game is you know regardless of the situation and regarding those embarrassments in the past i mean the, the fa cup game was uh, genuinely appalling I mean, that was the one game that we actually thought you know we could finally end this dreadful run and didn't the derby match in Anfield, so the, the Premier League derby match at Anfield, that, that was a strange one thinking back to it again. I mean, OK, you know, 5-2 looks like an absolute, you know, sort of shellacking. But there were moments during that game. I mean, I talked about, you know, with you, Adam, on, a, on Twitter earlier this week, the Dominic Calvert-Lewin penalty call that, you know, was, was sent to review. And was it Martin Atkinson bizarrely decided that, no, no, it wasn't a penalty because he knew he would have had to send off uh, Virgil van Dijk. Moise Keane going clean through on goal uh, again, you know, which, which could have pulled it back to one goal for the last quarter of an hour. Again, you know, so it didn't take that opportunity. And then I think again uh, to the Sam Allardyce derby match that finished nil-nil, and you forget what a great chance Calvert-Lewin had right at the end, an absolute sitter that he didn't take. There are big moments in derby matches, and you've got to take them. Otherwise, you know, so it does end up, you know, sort of going the wrong way. And there will be big moments again on uh, on Sunday. So no matter how Carlo Ancelotti is preparing for it, no matter what lessons he's using to the players to try and get the best out of them, you've got to be switched on all the way through and you've got to take opportunities as and when they come. Everton will get opportunities on Sunday. They have to be in the right frame of mind to take them. And I hope they are. It concerns me a little bit that, you know, Carlo said today in his press briefing that we haven't played any friendly matches behind closed doors because we're worried about getting more injuries. OK, Liverpool have only played one uh, against Blackburn, but it's a friendly. It gives them an opportunity just to get that little bit sharper. And I don't know, maybe it's just like natural derby match fatalism bred after 10 years of not having seen a derby match win. But I tend to be looking at all these things and they all seem to be stacking up in Liverpool's favour rather than Everson's. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm concerned and I'm apprehensive. But who knows? I've been wrong many, many, many times. <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'm spectacularly wrong again. And you'll all laugh at me on Sunday night. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it's an interesting point that Preno makes there, Gav. Obviously, Everton played an intra-squad friendly uh, at Goodison Park last weekend. Liverpool yeah. have played an outside team in Blackburn, as Preno says. Do you think that's going to be a benefit to Liverpool, or do you think it's going to be, as Carlo says, he didn't want to take any risks of any of any particular injuries? So, do you think that was maybe the right way to go? I think it's marginal. marginal. I don't think it's going to make a great difference on Sunday, to be honest with you. Um, I think from our preparations, I take comfort from the fact that I think this period of how, how long have they been back in training for now? Is it three weeks, something like that? Whatever. Yeah, probably four weeks, maybe. This, this period is where managers are in their corner, isn't it? This is where like the good managers will stand out. And like that, I think that will be reflected in the, the results and the, and, and the way teams play. And obviously in Carlo, we've got one of the best managers in the world. Uh, it's hugely experienced, commands huge respect, huge respect. And in terms of Sunday and the remaining eight games after that, I take comfort that that what's gone on at Taylor and Pitt Everton will be as good as what's gone on anywhere in any other club because Carlo because of Carlo's reputation and and his abilities as a as a manager and his experience. So I think that that is a huge benefit for us going into Sunday. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's a big test for managers the last four weeks. We're talking about players and their stresses, but it's a test for managers. And, yeah. I, and I, I, I think I'm, I'm glad that we've got Carlo in for that period because of his mm. experience and ability. And, and I think so. If Carlo says, right, we're not going to take it out of friendly, then that's the best for Everton. Mm. I, don't, I think it's a marginal thing. Mm. And I think sticking with you, Gav, as well, another one of the tests that's going to face Carlo is in terms of injuries that Everton have got going into this game. He confirmed that Yeri Mina and Fabian Delph are both out of this game. Theo Walcott's had surgery, so he's going to be out. So yeah. uh, there's, there's a few issues for Everton over the pitch, but do you think Everton have got in, enough in, in, key key areas, in key areas of the pitch when you're playing Liverpool, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um So, yeah, it, it's... But that, you know, we're short on numbers and, and also being interesting to see how, how he plays it in terms of formation. I mean, I think the last game before we played Chelsea, it seems like you know, several years ago now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and several should have been haircuts ago. Um, <laughs> we played 4 4 2 against their 4 3 3, like Liverpool, and we just got out and maneuvered in midfield. So I think that sense of, mid, that sense of two centre halves and Two in the middle, in in, in in you know in say four four two is going to be vital for us. Um, be interesting to see how he how he plays the midfield on uh, on Sunday. To be fair, mm. um, now that is a challenge considering we've got we've got we, you know we've got a number of players injured in those areas of the pitch. Be interesting to see. We mentioned this in the last pod did me we put out wide mm. um, on on Sunday so. Yeah, it is. It is a big, big challenge for us. 
Yeah, and Ancelotti. No, go on, Fred. Go on. I see what I'm saying. They appear to have like a clean bill of health. I mean, earlier in the week, you hear rumours and reports of Mo Salah possibly missing out, missing training, Andy Robertson missing out. And, you know, it could be gamesmanship, you know. So Jürgen Klopp at his press briefing today said that, you know, they were, they were okay, you know, so in with a chance of playing. But, you know, Liverpool would have to change things around a bit. You know, if either, well, Salah's the one you'd like to be missing, you know, so more than most. Um, but again, it seems to be they are preparing for this game with a, you know, some no real concerns, no real worries, you know, so whereas we seem to have, you know, sort of issues, you know, in a lot of areas. Fabian Delft's the one that really disappointed me, uh, even though I shouldn't have been disappointed or surprised at all, given his fitness record. Um, but, you know, his style of play, he's the kind of man that you'd think, yeah, you'd want him in a game like that. His ability to break the play up very, very quickly, his ability to move the ball quickly. He could have been so important in a game like that. And if he does miss out, well, he is missing out. Um, so depending on who he you know, decides to bring in, Tom Davis, perhaps. You know, so that, that could be a really, really big occasion for him in a big game. And again, the lack of a crowd there, that, that might work in Tom Davis's favour. You get the impression that, you know, so being such a young kid, being such a local lad as well, uh, you know, maybe he would feel the pressure from the crowd a little bit more. I'm trying to convince myself here, as you can tell. I'm not really saying it with any kind of great conviction at all. Um, but, you know, yeah, we've got more than, you know, more than a handful of problems to overcome. Uh, but we're going to have to do it. You know, it's, it's, it's a derby match. If someone offered me a draw, and I'd be thrilled, and I'd take it. Yeah, I mean, just, just picking up on Plano's point there about potential players. I'm just thinking, we played four four two in the mid in the in the midfield of the four. There's two central positions. I'm just trying to think of options there at the moment. Is Davis and Gomez our only options? It's Sigurdsson, if you wanted to play yeah. in central. Yeah. It's not if you're playing Liverpool and they stand through the way they play through the middle. Um, sometimes, you know, their their middle three. That's a big, uh, it's a big ask. That isn't it? We're effectively mm. going to a derby with no, no recognised defensive midfielder. Mm. I think it's right midfield, right midfield as well is quite an interesting one with Theo Walcott yeah. being out. You know, you've got Gibraltar DB. You could perhaps step up and you know play in front of Seamus Coleman. You've got you know, a bit of a wild card in Anthony Gordon, perhaps. You could move Richarlison out wide and play Moise Keane up front. You know, I think there are options there, but there, there doesn't seem to be one that stands out to me in particular. Yeah, that's, uh, the, the problem is there, if you play 4-4-2, then you've got two in the middle against their three, which is always an issue. But I think if you did, I think Sadibi might play. Mm. What do you think, well, they, they all seem to be make do and mend options to me as well. Don't yeah, they? Yeah. You, know, so, you know, square pegs and round holes. Gilfie Sigurdsson, you know, can't really play that role as a set out now central midfielder, I don't think. Sadibi, I mean, defensively, he was so poor in his last couple of appearances that maybe, you know, so playing him in a further, you know, more advanced role would be the way forward. But again, he's a right back, you know, so playing in a, in, in a right, you know, sort of forward role or a right wing role. So again, it's like it's patching things up a little bit. Um, Bernard is the guy I'd like to see involved. I mean, uh, he was the one man that actually stood out for me in the Anfield derby, uh, and you know, sort of performed at a decent level, uh, you know, so sort of most of the evening. And we don't know because, like, it's three months since any of them have played any football. We don't know how sharp they are. We don't know how confident they are. We don't know, you know, so sort of what kind of shape they're in at all. Uh, but you know, he's a player with immense ability, and I'd like to see him start somewhere. Um, you know, whether that's wide left, I, I don't know. But yeah, I'd like to see him involved somewhere on the pitch, definitely. Mm. And I suppose speaking in a more positive sense as well, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and 
Richarlison have been in fantastic form, especially since Ancelotti arrived at Goodison in December. Gav, how confident are you that they're going to be able to find that same vein of form in, over the uh, over the remaining games? I'd say, picking up on Pen, I was pointing really about the Anfield derby. That was 5-2. was a strange game and we created yeah. several chances. Yeah. I'd say, since then, I mean, again, I don't think this is where, like, the three-month break has helped, obviously, but, you know, in March, both Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin and better players might be in December, Dominic, particularly. Uh, and, and, they're our main hope, aren't they, on, on Sunday? And I, I'm quite confident that, um, you know, we can we can hurt them up top. It's just, let's say, the problem in midfield. Um, I, I just, I'd like to keep the, if you play 4 4 2, I wouldn't like to see Richarlison wise, right? I'd like to see both playing, you know, playing, playing, uh, playing in the middle up top. You want to see Richarlison up top, definitely, uh, going head-to-head with Virgil van Dijk. I mean, uh, those uh, those quotes those, those yeah. that were attributed to him. I quite like, you know, so A, I like the bullishness, I like the confidence, and I like the little edge introduced in a derby match. I mean, um, you know, so in the days you know when Everson were dominant over Liverpool in derbies, which is going back a long time, admittedly, they didn't have any kind of inferiority complex at all. And Richarlison coming out with things like that, just... Yeah, it, it fits that bill. It's like, wow, well, okay. So everyone thinks he's the best centre half in the world. I don't. You know, so I fancy my chances against him, and I like to hear that. That's good. Mm. Well, he's a fairly unique player in a way. Richardson in the Everton squad, isn't he? Because I don't think there's anyone really, anyone else in the squad who can just pull a goal out of thin air. You know, Allah is one against Crystal Palace on the break uh, a little bit earlier this season. Is uh, one against Brighton as well. That quick little turn inside the box. Uh, you know, give him. Give him half a chance, Gav, and fingers crossed they'll be able to put it away this weekend. Yeah, top player, Richarlison. He's rapidly becoming what in modern parlance is regarded as, as an elite player, isn't he? You know? <laughs> um, I think you know he, he could he could do as well in the game as what he wants to be. Uh, what I like about him as well is, I mean, I've not seen him, but he's one of the hardest working forwards as well, isn't he? You know, mm. he doesn't just goal anger and sort of throw his arms up in the air. He, he tacks back really well. He run, you know, runs a lot. I know how, yeah. You expect people to run a lot. But, you know, he, he works hard around the pitch and that's reflected in his clones of the game or whatever. His tackles he puts in. Um, and I think he that, 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 that's, that, that's an attitude that all elite players have, haven't they? You know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, think he's, I think he's a great player at Charleston. And I think he could, he could do enormously well over the next 10 years and just be thankful we've got him at the moment. He's, uh, he's, 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 a, he's one player, you know, who can hurt top, you know, the top teams. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he scored at Anfield, didn't he? And yeah. did he score, did he, score, he scored at City, didn't he? Yeah. I think, when he got beat 2-1. Mm-hmm. He absolutely had a stinker that night. Mm-hmm. Nothing went my for him, but he scored. Yeah. And that's what I like to see, don't you, in players and uh, mm. still stay, still staying in the fight. And yeah, yeah, great player. And, and you want your best players in the best positions, and his best positions at the top, I think, at the, at the moment, the 4 4 2. All right, lads, I think we've come to the moment of the podcast. Oh, Score yes. prediction time. <laughs> <laughs> Breno, I'm going to come to you first. You get the honor. Yeah, that, that, that's because you want to end on a positive. Um... <laughs> I'm not confident. I've articulated it earlier in the pod, you know, why I'm apprehensive, 
why I think the atmosphere could uh, work in Liverpool's favour rather than Everton's. But having listened to Gav extol the virtues of our, you know, so Brazilian who's worth every penny of the 50 million we paid for him, um, I'm going to go for a draw. I, I, was it six of the last seven at Goodison have finished drawn? Uh, I wouldn't be in the tiniest bit concerned if it was an absolute stinker of a match. If it was uh, nothing happened and it finished nil-nil, I'd be delighted with that. So I'll, I'll go with a draw. I'll, I'll go for a, a fairly uninspiring, dull draw, and I'd be thrilled with that. I doubt you'll get many arguments with that. Uh, Gav, any any yeah. raises on that? No, I just I I think I think because of the first game back, I think both teams would be stale. Uh, and and that will balance things up, I think, a little bit. Um, and and I see it draw. I was just thinking, though, isn't it? You could, it'll just be Everton, wouldn't it, to win when there's no expectation to win. We'll take that all day longer. Yeah, it, 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 I'm just thinking. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking. We win on Sunday, and like I was saying about this before, we win on Sunday, then not win another derby for ten years. So in yeah. ten years time. People were saying it's 20 years since Everton have won a derby while there were spectators there, you know. fans have seen a derby win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, um, I'm with that. I, I think it would be a tighter game than what, what you it would normally be in a normal season because of the circumstances. Uh, and I, I, I would I haven't seen the game so far. I think, yeah, I think a, a, a nil nil, another nil nil, of which I know. Happened before, hasn't it? Three consecutive nil nils at Goodison, as you well remember, in the mid 70s when we had that. Was that right? 75 onwards, so yeah. 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 That, that was my first ever Goodison derby, 1975. Um, Gary, Gary Jones caused a few problems for them, but not enough. And I think Latchford missed a decent chance that game. Never scored in a derby, Latchford. And uh, yeah, we ended up drawing nil nil. Uh, yeah, I'd take that all day long, be delighted with it. So I'll go with Thanos. I'm going to go with a dull nil nil. Uh, and uh, don't remind me of it if it does make out like that. So come on, Adam. Yeah, you, you're down well, to you're you're about three nil. Yeah, well, the Sam Carroll esque three nil home win. As much as I want to say ten nil, uh, I think <laughs> I think uh, I think a clean sheet is fairly ambitious from you two. To be honest, I think yeah. you know, despite the, the the amount of time we've had away from football, I think there's no denying that Liverpool are obviously a very good team. But I'm just hoping, you know, despite myself, I, I can't help but hope that little bit, the the unpredictability that we'll, uh, we'll experience on the comeback, it might just give us a tiny bit of an edge. You know, Carlo Ancelotti, if there's, a, if there's going to be a manager who's prepared for a situation like this, it's going to be Carlo Ancelotti. You know, he's one of the best managers in Europe. And I know obviously Jürgen Klopp is as well, but I've got my fingers crossed that Ancelotti is going to have his number this time around and... God, I've just got my fingers crossed for a sneaking a 2-1 win, you know. Wow. Maybe Richard, Richarlison bagging the winner in front of Van Dijk. Well, tell you, I mean, what Gav said earlier about it being the first game back um, does, you know, sort of have a lot of credibility, that argument, because, you know, start of the season, teams aren't quite up to the pace that they would normally be. And I'm thinking back when, remember Gav, when United came to Goodison on the opening day of the season in 1999, yeah. having won the treble, having been like the greatest team that English football had ever seen. And there was such an air of fatalism around Goodison, you know, facing this treble winning team on the opening day of the season. And they weren't quite at the level that they were later to achieve that season. And it finished a draw. Uh, I think Nick Barnby scored an equaliser later on, or you came in off Yapstam's shoulder or something. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, so Liverpool won't quite be, you know, so at that, you know, so level and pace. And so much of their game depends on, on, on pace and intensity. So maybe, he says, trying to convince himself once again. 
<laughs> yeah. We'll made a good case here. Yeah, made a good case. Well, there you go. Despite ourselves, we've managed to finish on a, a nice little uh, bit of a positive yeah. note there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you, lads, for uh, for joining me. Uh, brilliant discussion, as ever, as we have managed to actually preview a football match once again. It's been a, it's been a good long while, and it's felt good. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, don't forget that you can uh, rate and review us uh, wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, you can tweet us uh, all your views and any other podcast discussions that you want to talk to us about you can join us on facebook as well uh, get involved in the discussion uh, this has been the royal blue podcast you've been listening to the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo